not watching up football, do you? <laughs> I don't know what's enough of that, no. <laughs> that push some chill well though. I'm I'm leaving it there. Ne- Neymar is one of these players that he's so he's so good to watch, but he's so frustrating at the same time. I was sat there screaming at my TV, I was like, you selfish prick. Put your foot on it podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Put Your Foot On It podcast with me, Lewis Blackmore. I'm presenting duties again this week. Uh, I'm joined by Luis Costa. Hello everyone. Harrison Lane. What's up everybody? Jack Guthrie. Hello everyone. And Sam Clark. Good afternoon. And we're also delighted to be joined by uh, first time Finnish. Extraordinaire. No, Extraordinaire. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Tom. Ah, uh, no problem. Nice to uh, nice to be on. So I think we'll just start by asking you to explain a bit about what you do. But first time, uh, first time finish. Yeah, so we uh, were a long form football site that started up. Um, we launched in September last year, but we'd been planning it for a few months before that. And uh, the idea was that uh, you see, you, you know, see football sites popping up on social media on on the internet every day like a new one and they kind of they come up and they die and that's just the way because you know people get busy it's expensive to keep up a website and we and as three freelance writers we thought we'd come together and make a real fist of it by making content that's um the sort of stuff you find behind a paywall so like on the athletic or even like (laughs) they might be pushing a bit maybe like the you know the the times for example but make it free for people to read and um yeah since then we've kind of grown we've grown really well got up around the kind of three and a half k followers in that time and we passed we're coming up to a hundred thousand views in six months which is uh you know we're really happy with that kind of progress and uh yeah no just it's a really enjoying really enjoying not just writing for it but but kind of being in control of it and deciding your own content is uh, is very uh, validating. Yeah, so 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 we the three of us as kind of co-founders, we we'd each done uh, kind of freelance like voluntary writing for for websites uh, of a fairly like decent stature. Um, but we all are quite we quite like the thought of having of of seeing the whole process of writing of editing of um publishing it at times that you reach different audiences of making your own graphics and things like that and um yeah we we kind of we thought we wanted to i think most football sites say that they want to look at the different side of football they say you know we want to the the untold stories and of course of course you want to do that and we try and hit like we do like scouting pieces on eastern european countries uh, we did a, uh, an, a kind of a club profile on a team in the Slovenian league a couple of weeks ago. But we also do stories about the bigger players, but just kind of unique, unique angles on that, I suppose. Because we, um, we always said, you, if you search for Bruno Fernandes, right, you'll come up with 100 different stories every hour of just regurgitated stuff about him. And you might read an article about him on the Athletic, and at the start, it might have like a little inter- like a little snippet of an interview with his youth coach or something. Um, but we thought, well, that's that's kind of the most interesting bit. It's the stuff that 
the, the stories from people who knew him as a young player. So we set about kind of collecting contacts on that. And uh, yeah, in October, did one on Bruno Fernandes with, uh, with his kind of first captain. And uh, yeah, kind of set a, sort of a precedent. And we've done others like Harland, Marcus Taram. Yeah, quite a few of them, really. It's quite a, quite a good collection. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, I, I'm guessing that it's come with a lot of challenges, though. I mean, has there, has there been a lot of challenges in like producing and then, you know, um, getting people to write the content all the time? Because I know you've had um, guest writers come in and stuff, me included. I'm not saying that because I was on there. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no. yeah, yeah. What, what sort of challenges have you had, would you say? Um, it's very intensive work. Like particularly for me, because I'm doing my masters alongside it. Um, at times, it's kind of felt like doing the website is my full-time gig, and the masters is like the kind of the thing I do on the side. It has felt like that at times. Like it is very intensive because it does require you watching a lot of football, and that's like it's great. But sometimes it does. You know, you, you do hit as a journalist, you do hit a kind of brain drain at a certain point. You know, I don't really want to watch another Premier League game this weekend, really. But um, yeah, like it is, it is difficult and um, things like, you know, there, there, there is money that goes into it like that. That is just a fact that we have put money into it. Um, but I would say it's, it's definitely been, it's definitely been worthwhile. And I'd, I'd highly recommend anyone out there who is even thinking about, oh, I'd quite like to get my content out there. So just, just do it, just dive in and do it. Cause it's very, uh, it's a very validating thing. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I mean, there's a upcoming, like sports journo I mean all of us are but um yeah we totally agree with that I'd say not speaking for you, everyone else but I'm sure they'd agree as well <laughs> um what would you say your um like favorite piece either you've written or you've produced is on the site wow um probably a tough one yeah but <laughs> yeah it's it's um uh about a month ago I did a I interviewed Neil Banfield, who is the currently the assistant coach at QPR, but before that he was um, Arsene Wenger's assistant for 20 years, and he is he was head of the academy at Arsenal for kind of six years of that, and then he was also he, he joined Arsenal six months before Wenger did, and he left when Wenger did, and the piece was about the academy, particularly about like the it was like the class of 2015 to 2017. Because that like that Arsenal Academy had players like uh, like Serge Gnabry, uh, Daniel Marlon, Jeffrey yeah. Adelaide, uh, Benesset, unbelievable kind of talent. And um, I kind of wanted to know about why they were let go. And um, spoke about to, to him about the academy. And it was, I was really happy with the article, and I, I just wanted to talk to him for so long because you know when you're talking to someone, they just chuck someone's name in there, and you would just say like. He'd be referring to a story and he'd say, Yeah, me and me and Arsene were talking about Sesk, like as using first names. For me, it's like it's proper goosebumps moments because like like these guys have seen it all and I'm just like chatting to them and stuff like that. So that was cool. And then I did one of my first like, inside stories I did was on Marcus Taram. And I spoke to his youth coach about and he told me that like uh, he um is one of his first training sessions with him, age 14. He turned up to training in his dad's, because his dad's Lillian Taram, of course, like most cap Frenchman ever. And age 15, he turned up to training in his dad's boots that he wore in the World Cup final. <laughs> and that was kind of like, I hadn't, I, I've looked everywhere and I couldn't find another 
quote of that anywhere. So I think that was like kind of exclusive. And that was, again, that was like, wow, I'm kind of hearing firsthand about, about a player like this and a, you know, like a, a family like this. It's, uh, yeah, things like that are really, um, they're, they're the, like the golden, the golden moments, I suppose. <laughs> I bet. If I could just ask one thing. Yeah. Um, what would your dream interview be for, for your page? Is there one person you'd love to interview? Oh, wow. Um, it's tough because there's interviewing players. Players are quite hard to, players are quite, cl- they're, they're naturally quite closed uh, kind of interviewees. So I wouldn't necessarily, there are a few players I was quite, there are a few. So maybe people like Thiago or Xabi Alonso. So players who have that kind of a real understanding of the game and see things differently. Um, other than that, I think co- coaches and journalists are the best people to be like, like journalist-wise. Uh, some of my favourite interviews I've done have been with fellow journalists because they're so, they're so like well, well versed. And so like I'm, well, I've got a, uh, so this is this isn't a plug. This is to lead into a story. But I've, uh, no, I've got a, a a book coming out next year, and I'm I'm interviewing Gabriel Marcotti, who is like one of the leading American journalists around. So he's going to help me with that and things like. Things like that. Like I get as much enjoyment speaking to people like that as I do to speaking to a to a coach. But dream a dream interview. Um, I think I think Wenger would be right up there. I'd, yeah. I'd love to even even as a Spurs fan, I would love to speak to Wenger. I think he's like the way he talks and his, the way he sees the game is is almost revolutionary. And uh, yeah, I think I'd get quite a good get quite a good story out of him. I hope. Fair enough. <laughs> Great. I think just to finish this section off, what would you say um, your ambitions for the site going forward? Are there, are there any sort of different types of content you'd like to produce or more of the same, really? Um, I think the, it, you know, when you look at the amount of, we have, we've interviewed like quite a lot of, or profiled a lot of players in quite a short amount of time. So sometimes you do, you do open up your laptop and go on to transfer market and stuff and you're like, God, I don't really know who's left to kind of dig into, but there's always new players coming there's always new people to interview and um our ambition is to uh we were looking at doing for the euros but then quite unviable but maybe for the world cup in 22 we were looking at maybe releasing like a print potentially like looking at maybe like a magazine or a handbook something like that like uh these football times or scouted football people do that kind of that kind of vibe so i think that'll be the next progression but um yeah, just carry just carrying on this on this trajectory. I suppose that'd be the that'd be the goal, and uh, taking on as many talented writers as we uh, as we can. Great. Well, good luck with it all. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Just to uh, move on from that segment, I think we'll talk about the Champions League and the Europa League for the pod now. Um, obviously, starting with Tuesday's game, Real Madrid against Chelsea, and uh, you know, uh, two Chelsea fans on this call. I think uh, it'd be rude not to start with them. So, uh, Jack. Do you want to start off? <laughs> yeah, go on then. Why not? Um, <laughs> uh, it was it was um it was a it was a funny game because it was a game that really you look at him. Chelsea really should have won it, if I'm perfectly honest. Not not as um, me being biased or anything, but um, Werner's miss straight at Courtois, and then Courtois taking the mick out of him at half time. Um, should have buried that. Pulisic's goal was brilliant. And then the Benzema goal was brilliant, even though I, it was a bit dubious. I, I can't remember, 
can't remember fully what it was. But um, even still, that goal shouldn't have happened anyway. We should have cleared that ball from the front post as it was brought in. It was Casemiro, wasn't it? On um... yeah, we, oh, that was it. Casemiro was on As Aspi's back, and then it was headed on to Militao, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe it was the Brazilian. I think the commentator said about the Brazilian contingents or whatever. But um, yeah, if I'm perfectly honest, going into the second game, I'm actually really confident. Whereas going into this game, I. I I was a bit shaky, even though we've had some good results. Um, I wasn't necessarily sure how much Real Madrid would turn up, but seeing how we played against them away from home, even though it wasn't the Bernabeu, it was just a training ground. You know, I'm confident coming back to Stamford Bridge that we can we can really take the game to them. Yeah, I mean, Real Madrid certainly invited a lot of pressure, didn't they? And uh, yeah, they looked particularly quite open to Chelsea's attacks. But yeah, go on, Harrison, what were you going to say? Um I want to ask, I mean, I don't know if Costa can weigh in on it. Why was the game played at the Estadio Alfredo Di Stefano and not the Bernabeu? What was the reason? Well, they've since last year, they've been improving, upgrading the stadium. So, and COVID, no fans oh. anyway, yeah. Okay, fair Makes enough. Sense. I was just wondering. That's fine. But yeah, they should be back in the Bernabeu for next season. Should be, if the works are not delayed, obviously. Yeah, okay. They've been there all season, so. Uh, do you know what? I didn't even notice. <laughs> just, yeah, I don't watch enough football, do you? <laughs> I don't know what's enough of that. No. <laughs> I I'm sure you've got something to add, Sam. So I'll uh, you know I'll let you go next. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with Jack. I'm, Chelsea should have won that game. Not that I was expecting to win it going into it, but I actually quite like the way the referee played the game because he just let the game flow a bit more than other games that have been played recently, like. I don't even think there was like one VAR check really, which just made the game just so much more enjoyable to watch as like, just as even if I wasn't a Chelsea fan, just as a neutral, it just made the game better. But yeah, Chelsea definitely should have got the victory there. But like Jack said as well, we definitely um, got a lot more hope going into the second leg at Stamford Bridge. That push some chill well though. I'm, I'm leaving it there. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And I, th I think for the... Uh... Moving on to uh, Wednesday's fixture, PSG against Man City. Man City getting a 2-1 victory there in the first leg. What are uh, your thoughts on that, Harrison, as a United fan watching City? Well, if I'm being totally honest, I wanted them to win. Um, I don't think many Man United fans would have said the same. And I saw um, the reactions of Carragher and Michael Richards in the studios for BT. And, or Yeah, for BT. And you could see that Michael Richards' reaction says it all. And, Carragher's just sat there with a face like a slapped ass. But if you're not in the tournament, you want the English teams to win for the coefficient rankings. We win, we get to the two teams to the final, it boosts our rankings in the coefficient table. And Man City was shit in the first half. It's the probably the worst I've seen Man City play this season. And I'd say that was their strongest team they could field. Yes, no striker, but at the minute the way they play, having those front three moving around. That second half, I would probably agree with what Gary Lineker said. That's one of the best showings I've ever seen from an English side in a European tournament. But Kevin De Bruyne, not much else can be said about him now. He was unbelievable. And the game was marred by the red card. I mean, we all spoke in the group chat and agreed that was absolutely disgusting from Adrissa Gay. 
for this exact reason that yeah. Gay started over Danilo was that he knows how to play against Premier League teams. And they did exactly the same. They brought on Herrera and immediately Herrera was kicking everyone's ankles like a little pit bull. He was, he was in there and they, they played for that. But Man City, Man City win this and then they win, they win the whole tournament now. I yeah. don't, I mean, they kept Mbappe quite. He had one less touch than Edison in the whole game. I don't think that's ever happened in Mbappe's career that he's played that badly in a game. I just, I think arguably it was a good defensive display from City in the second half. I mean, I'm not sure you could call the two goals of like excellent because in a way they were both PSG mistakes. You know, the first one, Navas let uh, De Bruyne's cross go all the way through. If we can call it a cross, I, I'd assume it was, yeah. but whatever. And uh, obviously with the uh, free kick, the two players in the wall let it go right through. But I mean, in terms of PSG, I mean, the positives they can take out of it was Neymar having a, a great game, to be honest. I mean, yeah, definitely. What about what do you think of that, Jack? Did you think of what did you think of Neymar's performance? Ne- Neymar is one of these players that he's so he's so good to watch, but he's so frustrating at the same time. Yeah. There's so many times that he gets clipped, and you can think, right, you can keep going, you could keep going, you could run through the defense, you could score. You know, he's got the ability on the ball. He's amazing, but as soon as he gets, you know, anyone within a foot of him, he's down, and it's it's frustrating um but another thing i also want to say was we saw another phil foden masterclass in that game he's strung together so many unbelievable performances he's been a standout player for them this season i'm sure he's someone that you tom have covered on first time finish you know he he's just he you know everyone's wondering how the hell is he going to fill the void of david silver coming into this season my god he's stepped up he's been easily one of their best players this season yeah, definitely. I'd, um, he's what, what's incredible about Foden is it's still not sure you're still not sure what he's going to be because he um, I think the, the assumption was that he'd always he'd become an attacking midfielder and maybe morph into that kind of David Silver that kind of three eight ten role that David Silver made his own and yet he's like he um, he's t- he's seemingly much quicker than you'd expect from a player in that position and I, I think that's why Pep uses him he's used him wide right he's used him wide left. Um, he's used him as a kind of, obviously like a false nine, but kind of like a, a central forward point this season. And it makes you wonder whether he's going to start over Sterling for England now. As thing as Pep is starting over Sterling week in, week out now, you do wonder whether Foden would start wide left for England. And I, I'd be I'd be in favour of that, I think. I, I genuinely would. And uh, yeah, I thought, was, I thought Mahrez was brilliant as well. I think Mahrez has been together quietly one of the best seasons from a player like him in a long time. Like he's been absolutely outstanding this season. And um, he had, uh, I don't think it was, it was the left back this year. I think it was Backer, wasn't it? It was Michelle Backer. He just absolutely just rinsed him time and time again. And, uh, yeah, just beautiful player to watch. Yeah, you're right with uh, Mahrez. He's certainly gone under the radar a bit in terms of that City team because I'm guessing because City have been going so good really all season. But I think uh, moving on from the Champions League, we'll move over to the Europa League. And uh, I think we'll have to start with uh, United's uh, pretty uh, good victory over Roma last night. Well, a second after display that was good anyway. What it's 6-2 at the end, Harrison. I'm sure you have something to say about it. <laughs> well, uh, like you said about the first half, we were awful. Um, conveniently, like you said, Lewis, in our group chat last night, Dzeko had to score, didn't he? Of course. Um, he's, yeah. 
Um, was it you? Did you send in the screenshot that he's the first player to score a goal in the 2000s, the 2010s, and the 2020s at Old Trafford? At that end um, as well. At that end of the ground, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was he was really good last night. I think Roma would have done better last night if they didn't lose three players to injury inside the first 35 minutes. It ruined the whole game plan. They couldn't make any subs in the second half. Because obviously you get your five, but you only get three chances to use them in, yeah. and plus half time. And I think that screwed them over as well as missing Nicolo Zaniolo, who's easily been their best player. And I think they've just announced that he's now out of the Euros for Italy as well. Um, but the, the second half performance for Man United was incredible. Um, they exploited the gaps in that defence. I mean, goes to show why Man United got rid of Chris Smalling. I, I was going to say, um, it must have been a weird time for Chris Smalling last night, yeah. Yeah, I mean, going up, no no one's going to do very well going up against a striker like Cavani because he's big, he's quick, he holds the ball up perfectly, um, he scores goals for fun. Uh, the only thing I'm annoyed about is the fact that Fernandez was greedy last night and didn't give that penalty to him. I was sat there screaming at my TV. I was like, you selfish prick. Let him have his hat trick. I was I was a bit shocked on that. Um, nice to see Greenwood getting on the action. But again, a poor performance from Rashford. Didn't even get in a, didn't assist one of the six goals. I think um, wasn't there a stat that Greenwood's now the youngest um under 21 scorer in the in Europe for United now? I think. Has um, he overtaken some sort of record? I think I, he, there was there was something I read last night about a young record that he'd broken. Yeah. Um. But I've got the stats here on my um on my screen right now. Uh, twenty shots to five, eleven shots on target to three, and sixty four percent possession for United. Um, that has to be the second half because going going in two one at half time, I don't think anyone <laughs> anyone watching that game was going to see a six two. I believe that's now the last two times we've played them. The aggregate score would be 13 3. So I believe the last time we played them, 7 1. And that was when it was Evra scored his first ever goal for Man United. So I, I, I believe that's the last time we played them. I could be wrong. Ronaldo masterclass that game. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. surprise me as well that um, Fernandez um, didn't want. Cavani to get his hat trick because I think a quote came out after the game that he's on 26 goals at the moment but he wants to exceed his 32 goal tally or something that he's expecting to want to want to reach so Do you know what's mad surprise me he um quickest player to get to 20 plus penalty goals for Man United he's been there a year and he scored 20 penalties I mean a lot of people are saying on Twitter I'm reading about him stat padding okay but he's getting us goals I don't care whether he scores a tap-in, a 40-yarder or a penalty. He gets us goals and wins us games. That's all that really matters to me as a United fan. Um, personally, I think he's been one of the best footballers in the world in the last 12 months. But he he won't get the plaudits he deserves, I don't think, because 20 of his goals have been penalties, which is stupid because players it's, like Ronaldo and Messi, they've always been penalty He's just been consistent all season and maybe hasn't always been the best. But, I mean, yeah, like you say, stats don't lie, do they? So, And I think uh, moving on from that one, I think we'll talk about the other uh, Europa League semi-final, which was Villarreal's 2-1 victory over Arsenal. Luis, as a um, Spanish fan, what, what what did you make of that? Did you think it was Arsenal not really playing well or were Villarreal just too good for Arsenal? Oh, Villarreal were too good. Um, I mean, they'll... 
five, top six uh, in in Spain. So it, it doesn't come as a surprise, really. And for a team that's been in X many European semifinals like them, uh, playing Arsenal again, uh, Unai Emery on the other side of the dugout and having the best uh, player that Spain has at the moment in Gerard Moreno, it, it doesn't come as a surprise, really. And I think they could have put the tie to bed. But that penalty, well, it's, it's all open for the second leg, isn't it? But yeah, quite happy with the performance, really. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a tasty affair in that uh, second leg. Uh, Tom, you said you're a Spurs fan. What did you make of uh, Arsenal's display last night as a rival fan? Uh, I've probably watched more Arsenal than I have Spurs this season. I think it's more of a sad indictment about the dross we've put out. Um, but, um, I mean, Arsenal stink in the first half. They were miserable first half. Um, I've watched Villarreal a few times this season and... Um, they're like you could that what 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 Emery has got going there is exactly what he wanted to get going Arsenal. But I just think the, not even the caliber of player, but just the ego of player is different. And I think he's got a collection of players there who pull into this kind of uh, this ethic. Like, I feel like like Danny Bar- Danny Pareto is I think one of the most underrated midfielders in Europe. Like he's, he's fantastic in competitions like this. And um, him and Edson Pooh were just uh, just all over that Arsenal midfield, like Sabios was, uh, well, a disaster second half, but even poor first half as well. Um, and yeah, like Luis said, um, Geraldo Moreno was just, I think one of the most, again, another underrated player who, if he wasn't 28, I think he'd be getting serious talk of like a big move kind of thing. But he's, he's so clever in his movement. He's, yeah, just a brilliant player. And um, they Arsenal couldn't pick him up all night. And uh, yeah, they, they kind of rallied second half, but a deserved win for Villarreal. And you, you do wonder whether they should have maybe stuck another one past Arsenal to really kind of hammer home that advantage. But I'd still back Arsenal to go through, I think, for the rest. Yeah, it'd be very interesting indeed. And I think just to wrap this segment up, I'm going to ask each of you what, who you think will go through each tie and just answer the team. No more than that, because we've only got five minutes left in our meeting, because, you know, good old Zoom and all that. So, Louis, starting with you, what do you reckon with the four? Yeah, obviously Champions League and Europa League. So, starting with Real Madrid and Chelsea. Hopefully Chelsea, Man City final and Man City wins the trophy. Right, next one. And then Villarreal United and hopefully Villarreal wins the trophy. Hopefully. Interesting. Harrison? Uh, Two English finals, um, both Manchester teams winning. I want Man City to win the Champions League for Pep. That's that's what that's my thoughts on that. Manchester European Super Cup. Love to see yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, lovely, and we win that easy. <laughs> Sam, um, I think it will be a Chelsea um, Man City final. But if they do, if it does come to that, I don't see it being a very high-scoring affair. So it might be like sort of one nil to either side. But obviously, I'll I'll back Chelsea there. And in the Europa League, it will be a Man United Villarreal final, and Man United would just scrape through that one and win that one. I think. Interesting, and Jack. I'm always going to back Chelsea, so of course. I, 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 I reckon it will be an All English final for the Champions League. Um, I think they've been the standouts in the knockouts for the Champions League. Both of those 
sides. Um, I mean, just going off of um, our last game with City, scraping through that one, one nil, you know, could could manage that one again. But um, I, I said on one of the last episodes when we talked about Europa League, I didn't think it'd be any of the English teams getting to the final. Obviously, you know, Manchester United look like they've they've got a foot in the door already in the final, and it looks like Villarreal will join them because if Arsenal have another performance like they had yesterday you know they've been shambolic quite frankly for a while so but I reckon that Villarreal being the most experienced club in that competition uh, would just about edge Man United because I think they've got the better solid all-round team whereas Manchester United could be let down by their defence. Harrison's face is a picture right now <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think what, what do you reckon Tom what, do, you, do you agree with us uh, do you agree with um, I think uh, Arsenal Villarreal could go either way I think I'll just back Arsenal because I don't think they can be that bad again I think they can and they came pretty close last night uh, I really like Villarreal but I'd, I'd just back Arsenal and I'd box back United so Arsenal United drove the final and then uh, I'm going to say a City Real Madrid final I think Benzema will come up trumps in his one-man show, being the only goal scorer in that team. And uh, right, yeah, let's get Tom out now. Get Tom out now. Only <laughs> against Chelsea. <laughs> right. Of course, by the time the podcast goes out, we'll have one finalist already. So yeah, that's true. true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Great, and I think that wraps it up for this week's pod. Thanks to uh, everyone for being here again this week, and uh, thanks to Tom for joining us along this week. Good luck, Thank you. Good luck to you all, and uh, nice to be on. Glad to come on again. Cheers. Uh, where where can people follow you on Twitter and etc.? Uh, so I'm at Tom D Underhill on uh, Twitter, and uh, on Twitter I'd say follow at first time finish as well. Great, and you can follow us on Twitter as well. Put your foot, your, put, it, put your foot on it podcast. If I can get my words out properly, <laughs> we'll see you guys, everyone next week. Cheers. your foot on it podcast.